This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Napa know-how. Right now, Napa Legend batteries come with a $15 rebate by mail. Their long-lasting durability stands up to extreme conditions. So even on scorching days, it'll puff its chest out and be all like, hey, summer heat, find another car battery to drain. Napa Legend batteries with $15 mail-in rebate. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores. Offer expires 831-18. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This is MC Money reporting in, and I am joined this week, just as I am each and every week, by Sutton the Soccer Dad and House. And yes, folks, we are about uh, six, seven months in, and we still don't have a nickname for House, but we will get there one day. But anyways, a ton of news to cover tonight for the Miami Dolphins and Finsider Radio. I'm going to be blatantly honest with each and every one of you listening right now. The chances of us getting past Julius Thomas and talking about anything else are slim to none. And that is because we have some, uh, we have a very special guest coming on the show in, in just about 15 minutes, Max Himmelrich at Himmelrich NFL, who's been uh, lighting it on fire on Twitter recently, cited by Adam Beasley of the Miami Herald last night, uh, Wednesday night for those, uh, wait, what is today, Tuesday? Wow. Monday yeah. night, cited by Man. Adam Beasley. <laughs> She's cited by Adam Beasley, the Miami Herald, for his uh, film breakdown of Julius Thomas. So Max is, you know, doing a hell of a job, and he's going to be here to talk about, to us about exactly what Julius Thomas brings to the table. 
Uh, there are many, many differing opinions on Julius Thomas. I think the one thing that everyone can agree on, though, which is fact, is that Julius Thomas has never played 16 games in a six-year career. Now, when you look back at 2011 and 2012, you can say that he wasn't a starter, which is true. So you really you can discount that. But even when he was a starter in 2013, 2014 for the Denver Broncos, and 2015, 2016 for the Jacksonville Jaguars, he has never played 16 games. 2016 played in nine, 2015 played in 12, 2014 played in 13, 2013 played in 14. But here's the thing. When he was with Adam Gase with the Denver Broncos, his first year under Adam Gase as a starter, 788 yards. 65 receptions, 12 touchdowns. 2014, his yardage went down to 489, but again, 12 touchdowns. I'm starting to think, Houts and Sutton, that Julius Thomas may be coming to Miami not as an every down tight end, but as a guy the Dolphins stick on the field when they get towards the red zone and they can throw that ball to him and he can make the catch. And, of course, put points on the board. Now, before we start talking about that, I just want to go over the trade scenario breakdown for you. Here's what's going to happen right now. The Dolphins are going to send Julius Thomas to the Jaguar. They're going to send their seventh-round pick, their 2017 seventh-round pick, to the Jaguars for Julius Thomas. Now, Brandon Albert, who the Dolphins were going to cut uh, earlier a few days ago and then pull that back once they found out they might have a trade market for him, their deal with the Jaguars is completely separate than the Julius Thomas deal. The Dolphins are going to get a seventh-round pick in 2018 for Brandon Albert. So if we just take away the team, it's easier to understand instead of trying to think about why it's not together. Julius Thomas to the Dolphins for a 2017 seventh-round pick. Brandon Albert to the Jaguars for a 2018 seventh-round pick. Julius Thomas in Miami today to take his physical. We have heard no news about it, so no news is, of course, good news. And he is going to restructure his contract. Terms are not yet announced, but I am hearing it is about $4 million plus incentives, which makes plenty of sense. Now, for you, Sutton and Houts, I know we've been texting back and forth a lot over the past several days. Ever since Sutton got on Twitter, it's like a whole new world for him. Uh, doesn't even talk to his <laughs> wife anymore, neglects his kids, and all he does is text Houts and I all day long. I mean, my boss at work today threatened to fire me because I was on my phone so much talking to Sutton. And, you know, (laughs) Sutton's a little out of control with this Twitter thing right now. Uh, His wife texted me and said, I don't know what you did to my husband, but he's not even talking to me anymore. His face is in his phone. Um, So, Sutton, I'm going to start with you since you seem to be all over Twitter these days. What What is the reaction you're getting from Dolphins Twitter? And then how's... We're going to take the angle for you. I mean, what are you, your personal opinion? I know you've been heavy on not wanting a tight end in the draft for the Dolphins. So does this satisfy you, or do you want to see more from the Dolphins? Sutton, we'll start with you. Reaction from Dolphins Twitter, what do we have? Dolphins Twitter was lit AF on Monday with just the details emerging. Nobody's really knowing what's going on. The prevailing sentiment, though, is – we got Julius Thomas for a seventh rounder. So we're not going to get the return of a draft pick in all likelihood 
from a seventh rounder like we will Julius Thomas. And what you said in the beginning of the show that you just you read my mind, bro, read it. He's going to be a red zone threat, and I don't think this means the end of Deion Sims with us. And, and, and I can see this tight end situation playing out as a 1A, 1B. So I don't think Julius Thomas is going to dominate the stats by any means. I think Deion Sims will still be a, a complementary piece of this offense. Um, but it was, uh, you know, you had your Debbie Downers who are thinking, you know, well, Julius Thomas played with Peyton Manning, and, you know, there's no way he's going to get that kind of production again. Well, I think it's more realistic to kind of take the average of what he did in Denver and what he did with Jacksonville. So I think still very solid production, and that's better production we've seen from the tight end position in a while. So even if Thomas is a number two and, you know, strictly a red zone threat, and when you think about it, Kenny Stills had our – most touchdowns so we may have to replace some of that production in different ways so I, I I'm really a big fan of this move and if anybody can get uh, Julius Thomas back on track it's going to be Adam Gase yeah I completely agree with that. for me the biggest thing when I heard about the trade or the potential trade was what were the Dolphins going to give up and was he willing to restructure? And I think we found out in the last few, what, 24 hours that it was a seventh round pick, like you said, Kanata, and then he was going to restructure his contract. So for me, that's a low risk, high reward move. I think uh, like, like you both said, uh, he's a perfect fit in this offense. He's been in this offense before and he's going to be a red zone target. He's going to be kind of like a, like a blanket for, for Tannehill when, when things break down or, or he doesn't have someone open on the outside, he can dump it over the middle of Julius Thomas. Uh, one concern, of course, is the injury issues. And I think that's why Deion Sims is almost, in my opinion, they, they need to resign him. He does things in as far as a blocker that Julius Thomas might not do. And I like what Sims did last season. I mean, when you compare the stats, they were almost identical to what Julius Thomas did. And I know Julius Thomas had Blake Bortles throwing passes at his feet. And, uh, I mean – Ryan Tannehill and Peyton Manning, but he's a hell of a lot closer to Peyton Manning than uh, Blake Bortles is. So I, I love this move for the Dolphins. I think, like you said, it it fits that need that they had and will allow them to go elsewhere with the 22nd pick. So I really really like this move, and I think it's a low risk, high reward, and I'm excited to see Julius Thomas in a Dolphins uniform. And so just one for, quick thing about the injuries, and I, I know it's, it's justified. I, I'm a little bit conflicted about this because there has been a variety of injuries. But from what I've seen, he's missed most of his time with a fractured hand and a fractured tailbone. And fractured bones don't concern me as much as ligaments and tendons and stuff like that. So, yes, there is some injury concern, but it's not an ACL. It's not an Achilles, even though we have a guy on our team who just came back from an Achilles injury like a freaking baller. But we're not talking about major catastrophic injuries. Yeah, so here's the thing with uh, Julius Thomas. Interesting enough, when Jordan Cameron was signing, was about to uh, be asked to take a pay cut to stay with the Dolphins, Julius Thomas reached out to Jordan Cameron, who was his friend, and said that it would be worth it for Jordan Cameron to take a pay cut to play for Adam Gase because of his track record with tight ends, right? Now... Things didn't work out, of course, for Cameron in 2016 because of concussion-related issues. But we did see Deion Sims start to turn turn the corner a little bit as the season went on. Now, 
Julius is coming to Miami. And if he can stay on the field, and again, I'm not so sure they're going to use him as an every down tight end because there are questions about his blocking and his limited route running. But I do think he's going to be that secret weapon once they get down towards the end zone. And once they get in those positions where they can kind of bring out that vertical threat, you know, kind of like a part-time player rotation-wise with Deion Sims. Remember, they just re-signed Marquise Gray as well. So it seems like they have their three tight ends. I mean, I don't know if they would carry four tight ends on their active roster on game day. That seems a little... uh, And you have Duarte. You have Duarte, too, who might... uh, Yeah, and and Duarte's more of a a blocking tight end, not really a receiving threat. Um, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. Duarte's more of a receiving threat than he is a blocking yeah. threat. The Dolphins were trying to work with him on his blocking, which is why he didn't see the field too much. So if, if you combine that and you improve a little bit on his blocking, I think you might be all set with, with tight ends. Now, the thing that's going to kill me is if O.J. Howard, which I don't think he will, but if O.J. Howard drops there to 22 with the Dolphins on the clock, you know, you're passing up a guy who is projected to be one of the uh, best Elite. tight ends in recent NFL history to come out in the NFL draft. And you're going to pass up on a guy because you just got Julius Thomas. I hope the Dolphins wouldn't pass him up because, again, for me, I'm going best player available. And I'm not so sure there's going to be anyone else better than O.J. Howard on the board if he's there at 22. But, again, I don't think we'll have to live with that situation because I don't think the Dolphins will uh, will be in position to draft him at 22. And my argument for going best player available, I mean, just look at Laramie Tunsil, right? The Dolphins, by all accounts, didn't need a left tackle last season because they had Brandon Albert. But they drafted best player available, which was Tunsil, and they put him at the guard position. And lo and behold, of course, Brandon Albert doesn't play a full season. But now, with Brandon Albert having a loaded contract for this coming season, they are able to move on from him because they have Tunsil. And just see how things work out. I mean, everyone says it, right? Pick best player available. Pick best player available. Pick best player available. But very rarely do we see an NFL team actually do it because of those needs, because they panic, because they are not adequately prepared for when these situations do happen. So, again, for me, I'm always picking BPA. Of course, there's an exception with the quarterbacks. If you have your franchise quarterback, you're not going to pick BPA there, I don't think. I know the Patriots do it, but listen, the Patriots have a lot more flexibility and leeway than any NFL franchise in this league. So we'll have to see how the draft shakes out. Free agency, there is nothing. We've talked about the tight end market and free agency, and there's absolutely nothing there. So it will come down to the draft in terms of what the Dolphins do when it comes time to bolstering that tight end depth. Before uh, Max Himmelrich joins us, let's jump to the live thread. Let's answer a question or two. Uh, before talking more about Julius Thomas, House and Sutton, do we have anything going on in there? Uh, we got one from Daytona Dolphin. He says, now that Albert is gone, do we replace him with a free agent or draft this position? Uh, I'll take this one. I mean, we talked about it on the show last week. Uh, Dolphins are definitely going to be interested in a guard. I think they would have been even if they did, if, if did, if they did get Albert to restructure and move him into guard. But for me, it's like Kevin Zietler, uh, Leary, I think Warford's one of them. So I, I definitely think the Dolphins plan to improve that garden, and I won't be surprised if they do it early in free agency and try to make a big splash by signing one of the, the top players at that position. Yeah, he uh, same guy, Daytona Dolphin, Joe. 
That's another good question. Do any of you on the panel see us releasing or trading Pouncey? Uh, MC Money, will we get to that later, or do you want to go ahead and talk about that now? Yeah, no, let's talk about that now because later after Julius Thomas talked with with Max, we're going to jump to the defensive line pretty quickly. Uh, The thing with Mike Pouncey is more than likely he is going to be asked to restructure his contract and take a pay cut, and if he doesn't restructure his contract, then there is a possibility that he is going to uh, be released. But we'll have to see how that plays out. Okay. But for now, yeah, let's bring – yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say those, those hip injuries scare me to death. Yeah, and listen, we'll talk offensive line probably next week. So please, uh, again, save that, save that question a little bit. But right now that's the word on Mike Pounce, and we have a little bit to go. All right, so let's bring on Max Himmelrich. Uh, Himmelrich NFL is his Twitter handle. The unquestioned leader, the unprecedented <laughs> president of Dolphins Twitter, Max Himmelrich. Welcome to Finsider Radio, Max. It's been quite a 24 hours for you, huh? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. A uh, day in life. It's been fun. I am um, lucky to <laughs> work with Adam on that article. Um, everything's good. Yeah, can't complain. How about with you guys? I haven't yeah. been on the show in a while. Yeah, no, everything is good. We're cruising along Crazy. here. Sutton is finally on Twitter, as you probably saw. Yeah, and, uh, I saw that. You know, that's, been a, that's been a welcome addition. We talked about how to get his kids to be Dolphins fans. Um, yes. And... But, <laughs> yeah, that's a, tough, that's a tough one. But, I mean, like, the Browns will do the job for you if that's your competition. Matt, did you tell everyone the story about how your house was haunted? And how did that work out for you? Yes, we, we did tell everyone that, that – uh, there was that health message behind the refrigerator when I first moved in. Everyone is aware of it. We haven't heard any crazy noises. No, nothing crazy has happened. You know, the house so does settle late. So you haven't found out yet that a Topher put it there, right? <laughs> you haven't you know, found I, out that it, you flew up to Connecticut. It would not put it past me, past him to, to be up here and put that up behind the refrigerator. I could totally see yeah, him doing that. Anything, just leave. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, not even say hi or anything. But, uh, you know, let's talk about Julius Thomas. We were talking about Julius before you came on. I think I were talking to Max Himmelrich uh, from the Deep End Miami at Himmelrich NFL, the deependmiami.com. You put a lot of film about Julius Thomas. We were talking before you came on about the possibility that Julius might be a part-time player in terms of getting him on the field just in the red zone and when the Dolphins need that vertical threat when they're in the right quadrants of the field. Based on your film review, do you think that is a possibility? Or do you think they're really going to bring him on to become a full-time tight end at every down tight end. I don't think I don't think the division that we should be talking about is red zone versus you know twenty yard line or you know four minute drill whatever it is. Like the the big distinction for me is the biggest thing, and you know another huge factor is going to be his conditioning because that was the biggest thing I saw in Denver versus in Jacksonville. He gained I called it on Twitter the free agent fifteen. He he went from Peyton Manning to Blake Bortles and he let it show. So it's going to come down to him being in shape too. I think a lot of the times when he came off the field in Jacksonville, it was probably because he couldn't be on the field. And I think, you know, when you get in shape, a lot of those little injuries that keep you out on Wednesdays and Thursdays go away. Things like that get better. I I wouldn't worry about, you know, where he's going to be in the field because in reality, he's not going to be in line that often. He's going to be, you know, split out wide or, you know, in the slot. And what Adam Gase loves to do is just move those guys around. 
So I think by taking him off the field, you remove some of the element of surprise. So I, I think they'll find creative ways to leave him out there. And, and Max, that is definitely a great point because, you know, you want to get someone like that on the field at all levels and all areas of the field. But the thing that will always keep popping up until he proves otherwise is his injuries. Of course, not playing 16 games in yeah. a six-year career uh, has only been a starter for four years, really. So you could say you could look at the four-year history of that. Um, putting him on the field obviously exposes him to more risk of being injured. You got Deion Sims, you got Marquise Gray, you got Duarte lurking around trying to improve there. I mean, you know, where do the Dolphins go from here? Are they done at the tight end position? Do they still continue to uh, move move forward? I know they haven't officially re-signed Deion Sims yet, so things could still happen there. But do you think they look at the draft? Do you think they look at free agency to try to bolster that depth a little bit as insurance? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people wonder. I think actually the progression of the news yesterday has a lot to do with that. So I kind of think the mindset, when you bring in a Julius Thomas, you can't do it with him as the only guy. You know, I'm not, I'm, you know, you can say it without being cynical. You realistically only get him for nine to 10 games a year. At his best, it was 14. So, I mean, at this point, if the trade had been, let's say the original plan was to restructure and get him to around 6 million a year, the Dolphins were, that was not a good plan because then you can't keep Deion Sims as well. So I think by having the trade work the way it did and kind of breaking things off and showing Julius Thomas, like you're either going to get cut by Jacksonville or you're going to have a chance to restructure and gain some, gain some security in Miami. I think that kind of helped everything work out. Realistically, the Dolphins entering next season with Deion Sims and Marquise Gray, Gary Gray, it wouldn't have hurt them in terms of the win-loss. You don't win or lose games unless you have Gronk, Jimmy Graham, a guy like that. So I think really it does – it does bode well for the Dolphins. And Julius Thomas, is, he's extra credit. You know, if he's out there for nine or ten games, he's, he's like what we thought Arian Foster was going to be last year. I thought Arian Foster was going to have one or two big games, help the Dolphins, you know, push forward a little bit, but be a non-factor other than that. I think that's going to be Julius Thomas next year. I think in a week with a good matchup, you know, let's say they're heading up to New York to play the Jets, who have an awful linebacking core and you need a guy who can attack that position group, Julius Thomas is your man. But I think on a week-to-week basis, you've got to have, you got to have two more tight ends on that roster who are reliable. And I think last year, you know, the Dolphins' tandem worked fine. So I think at the end of the day, Julius Thomas is extra credit. Max, the, the ruler of the seven kingdoms of Dolphin Twitter, thanks for joining us tonight. You guys, I don't know if this is a family show. You guys are all assholes. <laughs> this is definitely not a this is definitely not a family show. Yeah, I was I was actually no, thinking about that and I was like I would be kinda of weirded out if like I had a thirteen year old kid and he was like listening to you guys talk about the dolphins <laughs> on like on his like Tuesday night, no offense. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so you know, we're look we're looking at the possibility of a incentive laden contract, you know, trimming down the contract from seven to maybe four with incentives. So I, I think that's a good yeah. thing from our point of view that we're, you know, his performance is really going to dictate how much he gets paid. Now you followed him a little bit more. Did you get the sense that he kind of took plays off in Jacksonville when he got paid? I mean, did you, did you get a sense of apathy from him after he got paid? I don't think so. I, I don't think it was apathy after he got paid. I think it takes an incredibly unique athlete 
to truly give 100% all of the time. It takes a guy like Cameron Wake or Jarvis Landry who just something doesn't connect right in their brain and they don't think like everybody else. They're just machines. You know, you look at guys in the bigger scheme of sports, guys like Michael Phelps, Phelps who works for four years while he's already the most decorated Olympian of all time, not taking that time off after he had his whatever. And then LeBron James, another guy who just is always on 100% of the time. You know, there are guys like that in the NFL, but when you go from Peyton Manning to Blake Bortles, you, the sense of urgency just isn't going to be the same. You know, it's true. Tough to, it's tough to really get yourself to that point. I, think the constant, I don't think he took plays off. Like, I don't think he went out there saying, I'm not going to run this route. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't, doing, the, um, he wasn't doing the Randy Moss routine. He was, <laughs> he was really out there trying. But the problem is, you look at a lot of concentration drops, and how just deflating must it be to be out there and to be open and then to have your quarterback throw across the field into triple coverage to a wide-open <laughs> defensive back. Like, Blake Bortles is terrible. I mean, Blake Bortles is a terrible quarterback. And any Dolphins fan that thinks Ryan Tannehill's bad, I'm going to put on tape of, like, Blake Bortles and, like, Alex Smith from some of the playoff games and, like, Jay Cutler and Colin Kaepernick and all these guys who are actually garbage and let them see what it's like. I mean, they like it is not bad to have Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback, and Julius Thomas is going to be improved by it. It's not Peyton Manning, but I think, you know, Adam Gase's system also works much better. The Jaguars had a ton of plays going right at the line of scrimmage for Julius Thomas. He's not a yard – he's not shifty. You know, he's not going to make people miss at the line of scrimmage. He's, a, he's just a smooth athlete. You know, he runs well. So if you can get him in the open field in the, you know, the sweet spot for tight ends between the linebacker and the safety, that's where he's good because he can get to that area pretty quick. You know, a lot of plays for the Dolphins next season are going to be Ryan Tannehill stepping back. He's got one foot. He's, he's got one foot back. And he sees you've got a linebacker, a safety, a corner blitz, and then Julius Thomas somewhere in between. That's what Adam Gates is trying to get with this trade. That easy hot route for Ryan Tannehill where he can just say, I've got a corner blitz. If it's the same side as Julius Thomas, I'm going to Julius Thomas. And with Blake Bortles, Blake Bortles couldn't even do that because half the time he would miss fire. So, it's, so I think it's impossible to really to mentally beat where you were in Denver in arguably the least – you could really make a strong argument that they're the least established and kind of the hardest to invest in franchise in the NFL. Like at least Cleveland's got history and you're like trying to fight that history. Jacksonville, like they had like Tom Coughlin years and like, you know, Mark they, had po- they had like pocket Hercules and then like a wide receiver who got arrested, whose name I forget. Like from like the nineties, Jimmy something maybe. Max, How's thanks for Jimmy joining Smith? us. What was My that? My question for you is deep. Do you feel that uh, Julius Thomas could replicate what he did in Denver? I mean, I I know it's not the same situation, but do you think in this offense that it's unrealistic to expect those kind of expectations from? I I just think it's, it's less realistic because of, because of the way that the dolphins play. I think things were a little bit more vertical in Denver than they are in Miami. So, you know, Julius Thomas's stat line, he would have like 700 yards. And I think he had like, 24 touchdowns in like two or three years in Miami. I don't see that happening just because the offense doesn't go vertical. So, 
the guys who have that are like Kenny Stills, who make it happen with yards after the catch. So I would say the number of receptions, if he's healthy, let's say the contingency being that he's healthy, which I don't think will happen, I think he'll, you know, have a role. I, it's, it's hard to make a comparison, but I think he'll have a decent season, you know, play in eight games. But if he were to play in 14 to 16 games, I think he'd have, you know, more catches than he had. And I think the effect would actually not be that Julius Thomas would have more production, but that Jarvis Landry would have more production. I think right now Jarvis Landry is the tight end. He's always underneath. He's always on short routes. I think they'd be able to let Jarvis Landry loose a little bit more if they had Julius Thomas in the fold healthy. So I think you'd see higher average yards per catch for Jarvis, maybe more touchdowns. But I think still above average, but not, not what he was in Denver for Julius Thomas. All right. Now, that quick is a follow-up question. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go, go ahead, Alex. No, um, yeah, MC Money is screening a call right now, but I was just going to say, you know, you're alluding to the fact you have Julius Thomas opening up the middle more. If we lose Kenny Stills, do you think that affects how this offense flows without having that vertical threat? And you kind of alluded to that also earlier, talking about the Denver offense. I think that – I think losing Kenny Stills would impact the offense more than a lot of other things. You know, he was the first receiver – who we've seen Ryan Tannehill get comfortable with beyond 25 yards in his whole career, and it happened in one year. It was the first time that he really got comfortable with a receiver deep and was able to make it work. I think bringing Kenny Stills back is a huge priority because if not, you've got to go into the draft and you've got to get a speed guy. So I think that, you know, they're making moves right now. What we're seeing right now is smart spending for the Dolphins. They're making good things happen. That's what someone said to me the other day. They used that phrase. And smart spending for the Dolphins would be to keep Kenny. I mean, like, he, he needs to be there. It's the, best, it's the best I've seen him play in his career. He might have had, you know, more production for a year in New Orleans. It was the best I've seen him play in his career. And it was the best rapport other than – Jarvis Landry that I've seen Tannehill develop with a receiver and you know the type of deal they give Kenny Stills is going to be indicative of how they feel about Devontae Parker obviously but Adam Gates is bringing in these guys because he wants to have a semblance of what he had in Denver which is just think about the sheer number of weapons in Denver it's like who do you who do you stop it's pick your poison so the goal Mm -hmm. is going to be next year to get in one set on the field You've got, you know, Kenyon Drake could be huge in the passing game next year if he can, you know, take another step. But even if not, you've got Jay Ajayi, Julius Thomas now. Then you've got Jarvis, Devontae Parker, and hopefully Kenny Stills. You can't defend, you can't defend those guys, all of those guys. That's just too many players. Just, it's a numbers game. It's going to reduce the pass rush. It's going to create mismatches, and it's going to make life easier for Ryan Tannehill because he doesn't have to decide, you know, what's going on other than where they've got a soft spot because they know someone mm-hmm. will be there who can catch right. it. So, you know, it's not like this year where if you've got a soft spot and Deion Sims is heading there, you're like, ah, I don't know if he'll get there. I don't know if he's going to get there fast enough. I don't know if he's going to catch it when he gets there. When you've got these guys on the field, I think you've got a more reliable situation in which anything goes in terms of where the ball could go on any given play. All right, Max Himmelrich, thank you for joining us again. That is Max Himmelrich at Himmelrich NFL, the deependmiami.com, the unquestioned leader and president of hashtag Dolphin Twitter. 
You're the worst. Excellent You're points worst. about Julius. <laughs> Excellent points about Julius Thomas. Again, fantastic film breakdown. If you're not following Max, please do so. It's only a matter of time before this guy is taking people's jobs in South Florida and writing about the Dolphins <laughs> on a full-time basis. Max, thank you for joining us once again on Finsider Radio. Thanks, guys. Max. I'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Take care. All right, boys. Excellent, excellent points about Julius Thomas. And, and Max, again, very good at what he does. And, you know, fantastic point about Kenny Stills. You know, I've, I've been someone who's been saying maybe let Kenny Stills walk. But after hearing Max, you know, talk about Julius Thomas in the offense and, you know, maybe maybe they should keep Kenny Stills. And I know I'm in the minority, so I'm, you know, talking to myself here about that. And, you know, we'll have to see how this all plays out with Julius. Of course, you always worry about the injuries. I mean, not even just with guy who's injury prone, but in the NFL. I mean, injuries are almost inevitable. And it's not what happens, it's what you do when it happens. Boys, our phone lines are packed right now. And we have this one guy hanging on for 16 minutes while Max was on. Uh, we're going to bring him on. I think this might be Kristoff. I'm not sure. Let's let's tune in here. Let's check out what's going on. Hello. Welcome to Finsider Radio. What can we do for you tonight? Uh, this is uh, Zach Goodall. Oh, Zach, how you doing? I'm sorry. So, no, Zach. No, no, all good. That's, that's my bad. I made the late call. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we have an extra surprise for you. We have Zach Goodall from Big Cat Country, the Jaguars' uh, SB Nation Network. And, Zach, you just heard us talk to Max about Julius Thomas. So what we want to ask you now is, and, and like I said at the top of the show, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, for those listening, this show is all about Julius Thomas tonight. So you saw Julius Thomas in Jacksonville for two straight seasons uh, for whatever time he was on the field. What are the Dolphins getting in Julius Thomas? Well, it depends on, you know, what Adam Gase is going to do with him because Gus Bradley, Greg Olson, and co. really did not know what they were doing. They would have, you know, it would be third and five-ish. Bortles doesn't know how to throw a pass to save his life anywhere, but especially, you know, on the uh, little out routes. And they decided to have Julius Thomas, who they didn't really, you know, keep in shape. They didn't condition him well. And you could just see that, like, I saw pictures from the offseason. He looked like, you know, a left tackle rather than the tight end that they signed. He was, it's not like he was slim or anything, but, I mean, you look at David Njoku, I'm sure you guys know a lot about him, and, I look at him now and I see Julius Thomas from two or three years ago in Denver. He was a slimmer guy, not slim itself, but more built than fat. And they'd have him running little out routes, three short uh, yards short of the sticks, and expect him to be able to turn suddenly. Being athletic is great for him and everything, but he's not this super type of athlete where he can make that cut and get up field, and he'd just take shots from defensive back all the time. And I think that actually led to him getting hurt a lot more than anything else. I'm not sure if it's much of a prone thing. It's more of a he was put in the wrong situation that got him hurt. But, I mean, that was just one thing with Gus Bradley and Greg Olson and all them is that you had they had no idea what they were doing with certain players, and that really hurt Thomas. So if he can beat – I mean, I know Adam Gase is – you know, he's a, he's a football mastermind. He's a strict guy. I mean, I've talked to some of my friends about Miami in the past and how, like – you guys said, what, like two offensive linemen in week four or five, and they just weren't cutting it. So Gase said, okay, see ya. You guys are done. <laughs> yeah. and I don't think he put up. Yeah. <laughs> he, he just cut them straight up, right? That's exactly yeah. what happened. 
Yeah, that, that's that's what I was thinking. And uh, he's he's not. Gates wouldn't put up with Thomas not being in shape and not caring. I don't know if it was him not caring or just not being trained properly and put in the right situation. But you give him a guy like this, and obviously like a disciple with John Fox and everything, and I think that'll kind of return him back to not fully his previous form, but a good player that I don't think he'll be as injury prone. But you use him right, and you're getting someone that's a gifted athlete. Zach, thanks for joining. Uh, you touched on Julius Thomas, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on the Brandon Albert trade and, and what you think he brings to Jacksonville and whether or not he can be the starting left tackle for the future. Well, that's the thing. I was going to ask you guys as well because, I mean, I, I didn't, like, go into much of his film. I see his PFF grades, and I take that with a grain of salt because it's PFF. But, right. <laughs> uh, I mean, they were he, – he was graded lower than Kelvin Beecham, so I didn't really get why they let Beecham walk on, even though it seemed like $40 million is a lot. Like, he was projected to be the 16th highest paid tackle, so it's not like he was getting some elite money. It was pretty much – if I, if I recall correctly, it was pretty much like a one-year option every year. Where with Dave Caldwell, I mean, he's not – he's bad at a lot of things, including, you know, evaluating talent, but he's pretty damn good at making contracts. And he can make contracts to where, like, okay, after one or two years, we can cut you and our cap won't die at all. Like, we're going to be healthy. That's how we have – well, I think they have $75 million in cap space right now. Where they could have cut Beecham anytime they wanted to after a season and been fine. So I didn't really get it at first, but especially if it was a straight-up Thomas for Albert trade. But looking at it now with the conditional 2018 seventh-round pick, why not? I mean, if Albert was going to be released or gone in some capacity, why not take the shot on that? Because even though Albert had his injury issues and last year seemed to be a bit of a down year, he's still considered to be an all-pro tackle. He's getting older. like He won't be getting any younger, obviously, but – so with his past, I mean, if you're trying to rebuild that offensive line, whether you have him at left tackle as a stopgap guy, whether he ends up playing guard like he said he might want to do as long as he's compensated the right way for it, do something with him, but definitely be smart with him. And I think that's something the Jaguars can finally say they're going to be able to do with Tom Coughlin. I'll just keep my fingers crossed on it. But uh, one way or another, now that, I mean, it was a cheap trade for Jacksonville, do what you can do and use Albert to the best of his abilities, and he should be good. And also, I'll throw this out there about Brandon Albert as well. And thank you, Zach, for joining us tonight. I forgot to um, be courteous. So Brandon Albert is going to bring some veteran leadership to that locker room. I don't know who um, your locker room um, leaders are at this point, but what I can tell you about Brandon Albert is that we drafted a guy that he knew was going to eventually take his job and really embraced the mentorship role of things. And some of the um, conferences that I've seen or, you know, some of the conversations that he's had since he has been in this flux mode between Miami and Jacksonville is that he really takes on the mentorship um, pretty seriously. And, and it seemed like he was almost brought in to kind of be a, a, the offensive line coach on the field, so to speak, and he took that role and went with it. So I think what you're going to get, and you kind of uh, touched on this earlier, him being a stopgap for you guys, he might be one of the best stopgaps that money can buy in the NFL because he is going to uh, bring that continuity for the offensive line. So kind of going back to Julius Thomas, are you guys feeling 
pretty good that you just got rid of somebody that you didn't know how to use? Or is there a contingency of Jags fans that thought maybe he could have done something if we had the right offensive coordinator? I was kind of either way. I um, Just from some talks I know, I knew that if he was going to stay this year, and apparently there was so many mixed reports, but last week apparently $3 million it was guaranteed ended up being, like, guaranteed. There, people were disputing whether it was last week or if it's March 9th, and from what I know, it was last week. So either way, he was getting the guarantee, whether it was in Jacksonville or in Miami. And I knew that there was apparently a plan for how they were going to use him, and they were going to really try it and note because they knew they spent – money on what they could really end up having with the talent and it was just used totally wrong in the offense and I knew that there was a meeting where, that they had where they talked about hey first we're going to get you into shape and like get you you know completely just back try to get you back to who you were and then we're going to work to involve you in a much better way so no just knowing that there was that meeting then it I like I was hopeful but at the same time all we could rely on is that they had that talk, but we had we had no further evidence to say, okay, he can get back to what he was. We just are going to hope for it. So I know some fans are kind of like, okay, yeah, we were hopeful because he spent that money and that money's gone, even though it does it really the cap is not hurting whatsoever. Like I said, they're at seventy five million right now, and they can get into the eighties with a couple more cuts. There, it's it's insane how they just keep that cap up. So it's not like <laughs> losing him hurt. Just some people. Some people wanted to ride his potential, but I'm fine either way on it. All right, Zach Goodell from Big Cat Country. You can follow Zach on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodell. That's G-O-O-D-A-L-L. Again, at Zach, Z-A-C-K. I mean, Z-A-C-H, my fault. Underscore G-O-O-D-A-L-L from Big Cat Country, the official... not to be confused with Roger Goodell. There's no way in hell I'm related to him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Big, Cat, Big Cat Country, the official Jacksonville Jaguars website of the SB Nation Network. Zach, thank you for joining us. Great stuff. Uh, we appreciate your time with us tonight. For sure. Yeah, uh, sorry, sorry for the late call. This work got a little late, but uh, couldn't miss the chance to talk about my bad Jaguars. Not a problem, man. It all works out in the end. All right, take care. Have a great night, and best of luck to the Jaguars. Hopefully a new fresh start with Doug Marone and uh, Tom Coughlin there in Jacksonville. Yeah, for sure. I hope things keep going well with Adam Gase and the Dolphins. All right, man, take care. All right, that was Zach Goodell again from Big Cat Country. Again, more good stuff on Julius Thomas, and it gives you a little glimmer of hope, but again, if healthy. All right, let's hit the phone lines. I know we've gone way above our limit for the offseason in terms of you know, it's trying to stick to that 30-minute time frame. So we're going to take these two callers. We're going to wrap things up. I'm going to touch on one specific teaser for defensive line, and then we'll wrap up the show. Okay, Christoph, welcome to Finsider Radio. Thank you, buddy, for holding on for so long. What question do you have for us tonight? Well, I have two quick points and then a question. My two yes. quick points are this. Julius Thomas still regarding his statistics and people are talking about his healthy or not healthy. But if you look at his statistics in the red zone, he still managed to put up in four games the same amount of touchdowns that three of our wide receivers, I mean two of our wide receivers and a tight end put up in just a handful of games. Absolutely. So 
I mean, when you look at it that way, you kind of got to realize what you're getting, even if it's for that limited amount of time. In regards to Brandon Albert, I think that one of the biggest problems with grading on an individual scale is that it takes away from the impact the rest of the team has. So when you talk about how Albert's stats were down last year, you're not taking into account that he was playing with a rookie left guard, a backup center for most of the season, an injured right guard, and a right tackle that we still don't know what we have. You know, he's graded pretty fairly, but, you know, we don't know what James is capable of because he's never had that help on either side. You know, so in regards to what he's capable of, I wouldn't, I would take last year's statistics with a grain of salt and just look at his performance off the field. My question is this, though. With the signing of Julius Thomas, trade, whatever, um, the possibility of having to restructure, um, what's his name, Landry, to extend his contract, possibility of going with Stills, do you think the remainder of our off-season cap space should go on a free agent guard, or do you think we should spend some of that money on the defensive side of the ball and worry more about those pieces of the draft? All right, Christoph, great points. Thank you for the question. Uh, how's your son? Which one of you wants to take this? I'll take oh, it. I mean, I'll, uh, go ahead, Alex. <laughs> now, all right. Yeah, I was just going to say, for me, I think the Dolphins are absolutely going to look towards the uh, free agency and try to get themselves a defensive line or a linebacker. Uh, I also think that still have the money then to spend on a Kenny Stills and even possibly extend Jarvis Landry. So I'm not quite sure that if they do those two things, they won't have a chance to still get a premier player in free agency and build upon that defense. All right, good stuff, Christoph. Thank you again for joining us. We appreciate your loyalty to us each and every week. Let's bring on Kai. Kai called for the first time last week. Kai is coming back to Finsider Radio because he loves us so much. Kai, what question do you have for us tonight? Well, I had my original question about Julius Thomas, but now uh, Christoph brought the point of the receiver, and like in Kenny Stills. Uh, I know last week, just to go into the salary, I know last week I brought it up and I tweeted at you guys how we should have like 52 mil in cap space. Yep. Uh, right now, it's probably going to be around 40 to 50, like 44, 50 million dollars. So I do agree with House that we should be able to sign them and still have enough money to bring in some guards and some linebackers. Yep. Um, but the one thing I think that a lot of us are missing, which isn't necessarily so relevant, especially since we should be looking towards defense, defense, defense in the draft, is let's say that Kenny Stills' price tag gets way too high and they don't want to sign him to that uh, deal. This is also a pretty deep wide receiver uh, class, at least into the first four rounds, four or five rounds. There are a lot of good receivers that you can grab, especially – not necessarily the defense that he is, but that you could try to go with. We also have Leonte Carew, which we've yet to really see what he could necessarily do. But I don't think it would be horrible if Kenny still leaves. I think it would suck because we would lose a deep threat, especially after his greatest year of productivity. But then going into the Julius Thomas, I think that it all depends. I think they said that he 
Uh, I think Armando tweeted out that his contract is going to be heavily in like incentive based. That it's going to be he's really betting on himself for the deal. I don't and that's know a good thing. I'm 100. percent Right on right. Yeah, I just, I, I, I'm just all I'm all for the incentive based contract. I think that's a great thing for us, and and it's going to put the onus on him to produce. I think that it'll be better because if it, like everyone says, Canada's greatest years under Adam Gase, but especially with his back against the wall, you're betting on yourself so much to produce. We might get another great year out of him. Maybe not twelve t- like twelve touchdowns, but we still might get another great year out of him and be able to have that contract and be able to just say, well, we still have him on a cheaper deal than what he would be on. I think his cap was supposed to be like 9.8 this year. So we have him at way cheaper of a price, and we should re-sign Deion Sims. So we'll still have two viable tight ends. We still have Marquise Gray. I think the tight end position is fine. I think we can finally stop talking about David Njoku and Jake Butt and all these damn tight ends. That oh, they but I don't want to stop draft. talking about Jake Butt. <laughs> you like Jake Butt? Didn't he tear his ACL? Yeah. Didn't he tear his ACL? Yeah, he did. I'm just going to be a steal because of his last name. <laughs> Who knows? All right, Kai. Yeah, that's... Is that it? For, is that it that you have for us tonight? Yeah, pretty much. All right, man. Excellent, excellent points, Kai. We appreciate your feedback. We again thank you for joining us for the second straight week. All right, we're going to close the phone lines here because we need to wrap up the show. We need to get to a few questions and then and then wrap it up. Before I get to Rob Karuk's questions on Twitter, our another loyal listener. We have a lot of loyal listeners, guys. Uh, we're going to be celebrities one day, and we're going to give out autographs <laughs> when we see them at football games. Um, I hope that's true. <laughs> I'll take a free I, I beer. Did, <laughs> yeah, me yeah. too. I did say I would give you a teaser. Brandon Williams, defensive tackle for the Baltimore Ravens. Keep an eye on him, please. And uh, could be a big free agent signing for the Dolphins on day one as soon as it is legal to do so. We know that Ian Rappaport mentioned that on the NFL Network yesterday. But I am also told from other people that that is gaining steam. But like I said last week, anything can happen in free agency – so you just got to watch it, wait it out, and see what happens. Because I'll tell you, folks, Ndamukong Sue was extremely close to signing with the Oakland Raiders before the Dolphins sweetened their deal just a little bit. So anything could happen, but the Dolphins are focusing on Brandon Williams and bringing him to Miami to play with Ndamukong Sue. Uh, but another name to also keep an eye on is Nick Fairley from the Lions, who uh, has history with Sue as well. All right, Rob Carruth asks, is the fact we got Thomas an indication Gase and D doesn't give him more personnel power? Uh, Rob, this has been something you and I have been going back and forth on over the past several months. Uh, it's not really that, but it's more so of how it's, this has all gone down and how these moves are being made. You'll see more of this as we enter free agency with the Dolphins opening their uh, pocketbook a little more. Uh, yes, Gase is giving more power as well. Um and then Zach Cunningham or Taco Charlton, both available in the draft. Who are you taking for me? I'm taking Taco Charlton if he is there. I don't think he's there at 22, but if he is, I think the Dolphins will run to the podium with his name. All right, Houghton Sutton, what else do we have on a live thread? Do we have anything going on here? Uh, doesn't look it, man. Looks like we touched right. on everything. 
So this show was jam-packed yeah. with, with Julius Thomas news. I mean, we had two special guests come on, Max Himmelrich and Zach Goodell. Uh, we're approaching 50 minutes now for this podcast, and if you're still listening, thank you for staying with us. Uh, lots of news in the offseason, and boys, we have next week, right, uh, March 2nd, or March, oh, God, my dates are all off, February 28th. Sorry, this is my first day back at work today. Uh, I work in a school system. So we had a long weekend with President's Day holiday. Uh, we had a snow day before the break as well. So I'm all messed up with my dates. I think it's today's Sunday. I don't know what today is. So we got February 28th. But after next week, things are going to heat up because March 9th is the official start of the free agency period. But March 7th, when we come back on the air, it is the legal tampering period for free agents. So we will start getting some more information and leaks on the deals that may be happening. House and Sun, before we leave for the show, any uh, last-minute tidbits from you guys? Um, I think your dates are all off because you didn't drink any beer before the show. I think you're, you're one of those possible. backwards people that focuses better when you have a drink. Yes, so, yes uh, that should, is true. <laughs> yeah, you should probably consider a, a, a white Russian or something before the show next week. I, I, that sounds amazing, absolutely, actually. I, I just want to say you make a, a beautiful Disney princess, and that was all Sutton's idea. So. <laughs> Clear that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So, again, <laughs> that teaser for you, Brandon Williams, and I know we want to talk about it more tonight. We will talk defensive line next week, I absolutely promise you. So be sure to tune in next Tuesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Houts. And in the soccer dad, I am MC Money. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio, and we'll catch you next week. And in the meantime, join us on Twitter for all discussions regarding Miami Dolphins football. It's time to answer the call, little buddy. I'm talking about big beef, dislocate your jaw kind of wide. This, that, charbroiled unicorn boy, bacon, big pig slab cut thick, sizzling for shizzling on velvet sheet of ooey gooey. A wild, wild western bacon cheeseburger. Carl Jr. I'm calling your name. Pick up. Hello. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.
Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.